Vertical Church. Man, we love the fact, yeah, give it up for our guests, church. We love that you are here, and we hope that you were made to feel welcome and wanted, and that you'll join us again and again and again as we chase this life to live in and live with Jesus Christ. Amen, church? Amen. All right. Hey, listen, speaking of life change, speaking of life change, I just want to point something out. I don't know if you see something new on stage today. Does anybody see something new? Show me if you see something new. All right. So if you look over here to your right, my left, you see this handy-dandy Chevron light. If you were here during a vertical celebration, you know what this means, right? You know what this means. Well, those who don't know, you're, you're like, why are they hooting and hollering? This is crazy. Hey, listen, when you come in on a Sunday morning, this Chevron light is an indicator that someone, through the past seven days, accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, right? I shared with you, our mission is to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. And so I wanted to share, point this out. So when you come in, you know, like, oh, come on. God's working. He's working in his church. I shared this last Sunday. So we're going to do it every time there's someone accepts Jesus. You see the light on. We're going to be partying. We're going to be celebrating. And this morning... God showed off. He showed off and showed what he can do because it wasn't just one person this past week. Two people accepted Jesus Christ, right? Come on. Two. So we have Devin and Tyler. Man, God, we praise you for their salvation. We praise you that you called them to yourself. And we will never get tired of celebrating lives changed by Christ. Amen? All right, come on. Well, this morning, church, we are stepping into week three of our latest series the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Church, this is a vision series for our lives. This is a vision series for us as a church, right, to, to show us and empower us to live out what God has called us to do individually and live out what God has called us to do as a church corporately. I want to know, did anybody bring their bags today? Come on, hold them up. Hold them up if you got your bags. Everybody else is like, what? I don't have a bag. If you didn't get a bag... You can grab one on the way out. These bags are pivotal for you. They're a simple reminder for us. What we put into our lives is what we will be. What we put into our lives is how we will live. What we put into our lives is what we will focus on. Because here's the truth. We still pack our own lunch, right? We still pack our own lives. And if we get up on the daily and pack our lives with pain doubt, fear, frustration, and anger, every day when our feet hit the ground, we could live this thing called life, guess what we're going to be focusing on? Guess what we're going to be feeling? Guess what we're going to experience throughout the day? We're going to open our bag, we're sitting down like, oh man, I'm angry. And we're opening our bag, I'm frustrated, I am doubting, I'm dealing with pain, and we got because we've been putting it in our bag every single day. In this series, what we're called to do is, we want to call to empty the bag. Empty the bag of the stuff that doesn't belong, the trash that's holding us back and holding us down. And as we start emptying our bag of those, those things, we need to be filling it with the truth of Scripture. Filling our lives with the truth of Scripture of our awesome God who has so much more for us as followers of Jesus. So much more for us as a church. That is why we can say, that the best is yet to come. 
The best is yet to come for your life, your life, your life. The best is yet to come for this church, not because of me, not because of you, because of everything God, because of who God is, you know, what he is doing, his desire for our lives, his purposes, his plans. So we started this whole series off talking about the best is yet to come because God is still powerful. God is still powerful. And we challenged ourselves with this idea, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? What, is there anything that God cannot do if he wants to get it done? And the simple answer is no. The best is yet to come because God is still moving. God is still moving. Last Sunday we talked about, man, God is still moving. And in the middle, man, it feels messy. It's messy in the middle of our lives. We're, we're going through this. But in the middle of our lives is where God moves some of the greatest ways. It's in the middle of our lives we see, we continue to see his plan for us. It's in the middle that we see his provision, constant provision. It's in the middle we see and feel and experience his presence. The best is yet to come because God is still moving. We believe that, so we walk by faith. We live by faith, not by sight. And so this morning, we're jumping into our third truth. Our third truth, and this is the best yet to come because God is still gracious. Show me up that if you would. God is still gracious. Say that with me. God is still what? Gracious. Amen. Open your Bibles if you would. Open your Bibles if you would to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be starting at verse 1 this morning. If you grabbed a Bible on the way in, you'll find it on page 799. Ephesians 2 verse 1 or page 799. By the way, if you grabbed one of those orange Bibles when you came in, and you don't have a Bible for yourself and you want one, please take it. It's our gift to you. If you didn't grab a Bible on the way in and you don't have one for yourself, take it on the way out. That is our gift to you. We desire for everybody to be in God's Word. Read your Bible, church, right? right. We, need, we want everybody to have a copy of it in their hands. As you're getting there this morning, I want you to imagine something with me. Imagine that next week is Thanksgiving morning and you're running late and you need to get to your family's house. You know, they have a set time that you're going, to have, you're going to have dinner together. And you're taking off and you got a long drive. Or you got people coming to your house. You have people coming to your house. And you're like, oh my word, I forgot something. So you need to run to the store and get it, right? Imagine this with me. So as you're driving, you're feeling raced inside. You're feeling pressured inside. So you're driving a little bit faster than normal, right? You're driving a little faster than normal, and you're kind of, you know, a few miles over the speed limit, and next thing you know, you see those beautiful flashing red and blue lights behind you, and you're like, those are pretty. <laughs> and so you know what you're supposed to do. At that point, you just step on it. <laughs> Don't do that. That is not pastoral advice, or I just want to throw that out there, right? Don't do that. You know what you're to do. You pull over. You pull over, and the officer walks up, and he taps on the window, and you Yes, officer? And he asks you this question. Do you know why I pull you over? Again, we talked about this a couple months ago. Uh, yeah, I know why you pulled me over. I was speeding. So he asked for your license and registration, and he comes back a few minutes later 
with this pretty little, I don't know what color ticket is it, pink ticket? Who knows what color it is? What color is it? What color is it? I think it's pink. People will know what color ticket is because they received one, right? Come on. <laughs> All right, so you get this little ticket, and he hands it to you, and he even says, hey, if you want to refute this or you want to go against this, you can go. He tells you what court date to show up to appear to, to go against it. Well, that's really nice. Thank you. Thank you. So you decide, like, listen, I want to see what happens with this. So you go to the court day. You show up in front of the judge, and everything starts falling down, and you're like, oh, shoot, I'm guilty. They have everything all figured it out. I've been, I was doing 20 miles over the speed limit. There's nothing I can do. And the judge hitches, hits his gavel, and he says the fine is 300 bucks. 300 bucks. And you're like, well, there goes my kid's Christmas. But then he does something you didn't expect. The judge looks at you straight in the face. Hold on a second. He puts his hand in his pocket. He pulls out three $100 bills. He says, I got this. I got your fine. I paid your debt. Let me ask you, church. Did we deserve that? No. That was an act of grace. Receiving something we didn't deserve. You know, uh, that's exactly what God did for us through his son, Jesus Christ. God showed up and poured out his grace through his son, Jesus. And this morning, we're going to dig into his word and reveal not only how beautiful God's grace is, but how powerful it works in our lives and the calling in his church. So if you have your Bibles open, we're going to dig right into chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Paul, the author of Ephesians, starts revealing this idea of what grace looks like in, in our lives. And you can see in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, as for you, he's talking to the church, as for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of this kingdom of the air and the spirit of who is now working those who are disobedient. All of us, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and its thoughts. Like the rest, we were all by nature deserving of wrath. Let's just stop right there. We're all dead in our sins and transgressions. Sin, man, it's an ugly word. It's a word that we don't like to use in our lives. It's a word we don't like to talk about or say, well, I did something wrong or I was bad. No, no, we don't like to say the word sin. But the problem is we're all born into sin. We don't have to be trained in it. There's not a school that you and I go to that we get a, a diploma or degree in sin. It doesn't work that way. We are born sinners. Now, everyone who's in this room who has kids, you know what I'm talking about. Everyone who said in this room who does not have kids, you were once a kid, you know what I'm talking about. Let me just refresh our memories. Did you eat that cookie? Chocolate smeared all over their face? No. All right, did you write on the wall with that marker that's in his hand? No, right? You get the idea. I'm just going to tell you a side story. 
Years ago, Steph and I bought our first home, and we're excited and bought this brand new couch and love seat, and we moved in. We're loving, loving our home, and Isaac was just a little twerp right at that time. And we come in a couple days later, and we go into the toy room, and there's red marker all over the wall, the doors, the door frame. We walk in and across our new love seat, and our couch is up all over the place. I'm like, what in the world? Did you do this? No. Did you, your, your baby sister, your little brother or sister is crying. Did you hit them? No. I mean, we can go on and on. We understand this. We know this. Sin starts when we're young and it continues to grow as we get older. And as I read his word, read the scripture, we're all in this together. All humanity is in this one big cup. We're all doing it. Romans 3, verses 22 and 23 tells us, there is no difference. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And I didn't like that word all. I don't like being called out. So I did some research, dug into the Greek, looked in some dictionaries, read a different translations. And guess what that word all means? All. That includes me too. Come on. We're all in this together. Every single one of us were born into sin and we sin. And then Paul goes on later in Romans 6.23 says, listen, it's on the screen. The wages of sin, the cost of sin is death. Well, now it gets a little serious. We're all in together. We're all sinners. And the wages of our sin is death. Like it or not, church, like it or not, as we read Scripture, if we believe Scripture to be true, if we believe Scripture to be God's Word, we all deserve death. Oh, come on, Rich. What happened to Sunday fun day? <laughs> For you to sit here and tell us that we all deserve death, that's not all warm and fuzzy and fun. You're right. It's not. It's not. And that's the point. Because of my sin, I deserve death. Because of your sin, you deserve death. Because of our sin, we deserve death and separation from the one who created us, the one who loves us the most. That is crazy. That is scary. That's the reality. But, but, but because God is still gracious, he is a gracious God, filled and overflowing with grace. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die a brutal death to pay our debt. The debt for all humanity, our sin debt, was paid by Jesus, and he did it willingly. Just like the judge did for our ticket, right? He pulled it out and handed it over, but the price that was paid for us was far greater, and the freedom and the blessing that we experienced through Jesus was unparalleled and unmatched. Look at this in, in verse 4. It says, because... There it is. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive 
with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by what? Grace. It is by what? Grace. Grace that you have been saved. We all deserve death. But it's by grace of God through his son Jesus Christ that we receive life because of his great love for us. Donald Barnhouse says it this way. Love that goes up is worship. Love that goes outward is affection. Love that stoops is grace. Let me say that again. It should be on the screen. Love that goes up is worship. Love that goes outward is affection. Love that stoops is grace. And friends, let me just tell you, Jesus stooped. Jesus stooped down and revealed his love for us. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Why? To die in our place. That is grace. The best is yet to come. Because God is still gracious. And what does God's grace do? God's grace rescues you. God's grace rescues you. God's grace rescues you from the penalty of sin. It is by grace you have been saved, is what the scripture says. And saved means exactly what it means. Saved. There was a rescuing that took place. A rescuing of our souls from eternal damnation in a place that's called hell. Where we would be eternally separated from the one who gave us life. But because God who loves us reaches down into the messes of our lives. Man, it's messy in the middle. And what does God do? He rescues us. That's grace. I want to be very, very clear here this morning. If you desire God's grace in your life. The only way you can receive it is by surrendering your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. God is willing to give it freely, willing to pour it out in your life abundantly, but you need to come to the point you realize that you're a sinner and that you need a saver and you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, just like Devin and Tyler did. And only then will you be rescued. Tim Keller says this, we didn't ask to be rescued. Tim Keller is a pastor and author of several books, amazing writer, but God in his grace planned what we didn't realize what we needed, and Christ by his grace came to achieve the rescue we couldn't have never achieved by ourselves. That's grace. God's Grace rescues us. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 makes this abundantly clear. He says, for he has what? For he has what? Rescued us. God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 
God's grace rescues us. In Jesus, you have been rescued. It's all God, and it's all for you. Grace. Grace is the dimension of divine activities, the activity that enables God to confront human rebellion with an exhaustible capacity to forgive and to bless. You're taking notes, write that down. The mention of divine activity that enables God to confront human rebellion with an exhaustible capacity to forgive and to bless. Grace of God rescues. But it goes beyond this. God's grace doesn't just only rescue you. God's grace restores you. God's grace restore you. In Jesus, we're not only freed from the penalty of sin. In Jesus, we've also also been restored from what sin had broken. Continue reading on in Ephesians 2, verse 6 says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that the coming ages he may show his comparable riches of his what? There it is again expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. We have been rescued by God, rescued from the dominion of darkness, and brought into the kingdom. Brought into the kingdom. Restored relationship. So not only through Jesus are we snatched out of the grips of hell, we have been placed in the kingdom of redemption. That is restoration. We have a restored relationship with God. He has restored our broken souls. The old is gone. The new is here, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Brand new baby inside. Put in a place of restoration with the one who created us, who loves us the most. That's what God does. That's what his grace does. It rescues us from the dominion darkness and places us in a place, in a relationship with God that we desire to have and to be. The best is yet to come because God is still gracious. He pours his grace out in our lives. And I think we could talk about that repeatedly. He pours his grace out in his church. Repeatedly. And we don't want to miss this point here. God's grace doesn't only have the power to set us free. God's grace has the power to keep us free. God's grace doesn't only have the power to set us free, it has the power to keep us free. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's exactly what someone needs to hear this morning. Maybe you walked in and you're feeling overwhelmed and beaten down. You need to hear that God is giving you his grace because you're his child and that grace gives you the power to keep on moving forward. He didn't just save you to leave you. He didn't, he didn't, Recall you out of hell so you can continue living a life that feels like hell. 
He rescued you. He restored you. You have been set free from your past. Open your bag and look in. What are you holding on to that God has set you free from? What are you holding on that God has restored you from? Look at me. Whatever, whatever's in your bag that's holding you back doesn't belong. You have been set free from whatever you keep on trying to shove back into your life. He didn't just set you free, he keeps you free. So don't put it back in your bag, y'all. That was my southern. That's the only thing that comes out. (laughs) The best is yet to come for you. Because God is still gracious. His power sets you free. His power keeps you free. John talks a little bit about this, man, his continued grace. John chapter 1, verse 16 on the screen, it says, Out of his fullness we have all received grace and replace of grace already given. What he's talking about is grace is the continuation of God's, Jesus is the continuation of God's grace. Grace came through the law of Moses to continue to lead and love his people. Then Jesus showed up on the scene, and that's the abundance of God's grace continuing to point us and move us forward. And then we give our life to Jesus. The grace continues, right? We receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a seal of guarantee of who we are and whose we are. And then that Spirit of God residing in us because the grace continues to pour out. We have everything we need. We have everything we need for life and godliness. We have everything we need for that staying power of the Spirit within us. As a child of God, you have part of the triune God living inside of you. you If that's not power, I don't know what is. God's grace. Rescues us. God's grace. Restores us. But we're not done. Because God's not done. This life, life that we're living, is not about us. It's not all about us. He rescues, he restores. And the final point this morning is God's grace equips. His grace rescues, his grace restores, and his grace Equips. Let's look back at verse 8 through 10. It says, For we, by grace you have been saved through faith. And again, this is not from yourself. This is a gift, a free gift from God. It's not by works. You can't earn it, so no one can boast about it. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do the good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's handiwork. We are rescued. We've been restored. We are a new creation to do what? To do the good works that he had planned for us to do. Here's the thing, church. Here's the thing that we need to understand. God has rescued you to become a rescuer. 
He has rescued you to become a rescuer. And once we understand where we were, once we understand and embrace the magnitude of what he has pulled us from, rescued from us, we just should fire us up to go tell someone about Jesus. We deserve death and hell, but God loved us so much he sent Jesus in our place and he's rescued us and he made us whole again to do what? To go tell others about Christ. That is why the best is yet to come. God's not done. And he's calling us as a church to go do it. Sorry, that wasn't even my notes. I am a rescuer. I am a rescuer. God snatched my soul out of, that was determined to go to the pit of hell 22 years ago. I am a rescuer. Are you a rescuer? Say, I'm a rescuer. I'm a rescuer. Tell the person next to him, you're a rescuer. Tell the person you just ignored, you're a rescuer. God has called us. He has gifted us. He has equipped us to share the message of hope, to be able to throw the life preserver, the gospel of Jesus to everyone. To everyone. Church, Jesus died for Everyone. God did not call his church out so we can run around and act like a bunch of entitled children. I want this. I deserve this. This is the way it should be. I think it many, he made it really clear what we deserve. I mean, I think it makes it really clear what he's called us to do. It's never too late to receive God's grace in your life. And it's never too late for God's grace to work in the lives of others. In fact, in fact, the impact that God has had in your life personally, is the same impact that he wants to have in the people around you who don't know him. In the lives of people he has placed around you on purpose, your neighbors, your co-workers, your teachers, your classmates, your teammates, your coaches, man, they all need Jesus. The people who are next to you in the store while you're Christmas shopping or grocery shopping. The people who are next to you in the store, you decide to go down the other aisle because you want to avoid them. They need Jesus, right? You're like, I don't want to see them today. They need Jesus. We all need Jesus because we all deserve death. We need to receive God's grace. All those people you think, okay, mm, they maybe not need God's grace because I know who they are. That's wrong. They need God's grace. The people who think differently than we do. The people who live differently than we do. The people who voted differently than we do. Oh, snap. (laughs) They need God's grace. 
think you get the point. God rescue you to be a rescuer. There are good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. There is work to be done. God's work. His plan. And get this. This is pointing back to last week. There's a marked race for us as a church. To fight, to run through the messy in the middle, to persevere. Why? Because we want more of those lights lit on Sunday. The best is to come. Because God is so gracious. Friends, God is still in the business of saving lives. His grace is never ending. And what he desires is for his church to understand that simply, that he has called us out. Not to be shiny and pretty, but he's called us out so we can go live missionally and go and make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. Speaking of Jesus, it's always a great conversation, right? Talk about Jesus. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, he's talking to his disciples, are you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. The town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light the lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. The same way, let your light shine before others. Why? So they may see your good deeds and glorify your God in heaven. We keep the main thing, the main thing. Jesus and our rescue lives. And it calls us to go be a light to the world that so we can share the same hope and grace we have received ourselves. You know, I... I know I pick on this guy a bunch, uh, but there's this guy named Jonah in our Bible. Have you ever read Jonah before? If you haven't, or maybe if you have, go home today and read your Bible and read Jonah. Jonah is an amazing example of what we're talking about this morning. Jonah started his race, right? We talked about last week. He started running his race in the wrong direction. He was given a soul-saving message to go and tell an entire city to repent, to turn back to God. But because he wasn't for it, because maybe he thought that God's grace was only for him, he ran in the other way. He thought that he was rescued to live a life for whatever he desired and God was good to him and that was all hunky-dory. But God said, no, 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 I'm calling you to something, to something amazing, I'm calling you out to go share a message of hope for me, and he ran, and he ran in the wrong direction. Not only did he run, he jumped on a ship. He jumped on a ship going the completely opposite direction from where God wanted to be. He had this thought that he could outrun God. There's your sign. You can't outrun God. Obviously, he didn't know him that well. You can't outrun your calling. And when he was thrown over the ship and swallowed by the fish and he's going down to the depths of the sea, he realized like, oh, shoot. This is a place where I'm not supposed to be. I'm not doing what I'm called to do. And he needed God's grace to step into his life 
once more and to be put back on mission. And that's what God does. But you need to see the part of his prayer that he is talking to God in chapter 2 of Jonah. You're going to read it later as you go home and read Jonah, right? Jonah 2, verse 5 through 9. Look at this on the screen. He says, the engulfing waters, he's talking to God, waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. The roots of the mountains I sank down. The depth, the earth beneath me barred me, it barred me in forever. But you, Lord, but you, Lord, my God, brought me, brought my life up from the pit. Rescued him. Come on. He rescued him. And when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you. I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you and to your holy temple. I'm calling out to God. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, I, Jonah, with shouts of grateful praise, I will sacrifice to you. I have vowed to make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Church, it's time for us to start shouting with grateful praise. It's time for us to start shouting with grateful praise. It's time for us to proclaim the grace of God to all those around us that salvation comes from the Lord. You have been called out. You all have been called out in Jesus. You have been rescued. You have been restored. And he's calling you to go proclaim his grace that salvation is only from the Lord. That is our mission. That is why I believe the best is yet to come for our lives. Why? Because God's grace is still working. He's still pouring. He's still calling us out. He's still forgiving us for our sin. He's just doing that, but he's also for his church. best yet to come because God is gracious. I don't know about you. That was Jesus. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss what I've been called out to in life. Man, I know what God has saved me from. I know the sin in my life that I've thrown in his face as I lived in rebellion. I know what his forgiveness feels like. I know I deserve death and hell. Because God is so gracious. He called me to himself. And I want to spend the rest of my life telling people that truth. And I'm asking you, church, come with me. If you're in this room and you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you have been rescued and he's called you to be a rescuer. 
there are people in your lives right now. If they were to die today and not have a relationship with Jesus, would spend eternity in hell. Will you love them enough to go tell them about Christ? Will you love them enough to go tell them the rescue message? That's what we're called to do. And you may be here this morning, you're like, oh, Rich, you're, you, you've gone off your rocker. I'm just kicking the tires about this whole church and God and Jesus thing. And you're wondering, is this real? Yes. You may be wondering, is this for me? Absolutely. Jesus died for you too. He died for your sin. And he conquered the grave three days later. In a life surrendered to him, you can conquer death too. So I'm going to pray. And right now I'm going to call the prayer team up. Would you come on up, team? I'm going to pray. walk out those doors without giving your life to Jesus. Don't do it. God has so much more for you. At the end of service, when I'm done, you're ready to make that step of profession. Surrender it all to him. Both sides of me have people who would love to pray with you as you surrender your life to Christ. And the light would be on for you next Sunday and your life would be radically changed amen church let's pray father we thank you for this morning thank you for who you are God thank you for your love for us God thank you for making it so abundantly clear what we deserve because of our sin God, also thank you for making abundantly clear what we receive through your son. Thank you for love that you're willing to send your son to the cross for us. I believe the best is yet to come. Because there's more people around us that need Jesus to help us change our perspective change our mindset when our feet hit the ground let's remember the grace that you have poured out and continue to pour out in our lives let's remember the message of hope that we have received that we're called to be rescuers and proclaim salvation comes from the Lord and God if there's anybody in this room who doesn't have that relationship with you who have yet to receive your grace and want it this morning I pray that you do walk out the doors would you equip their feet to come forward? Give them the courage and strength to step out in crazy faith and come forward and surrender their lives to you. We love you. We worship you. It is all about you.
Jesus' name I pray.